Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Second Timothy Chapter 3, verses 2 to 4. Thus speaks St. Paul about the last days. He was describing what he saw, and he could just as well be describing what I see. We haven't changed, and I'm so happy I have a Savior, because after 2,000 years, we haven't improved much, have we? Parents are still wringing their hands. As adults, we refer back to gentler times. Citizens are still despairing about their leaders. Family. We couldn't fix the world, but we could fix what was going on in our four walls. We prayed as a family. We reached out as a family. We learned obedience and gratefulness together. We loved one another. We studied the Bible and learned that vigilance is needed at all times. We learned that the thief will come in the night, not when we're expecting him. We cautioned our children about mixing with the wrong crowd. And then we let them go and prayed that they took their lessons with them in their hearts and lived them. Verse 5 in Paul's second letter to Timothy says, Even those who believe in God will maintain the outward appearance of religion, but will have repudiated its power, denied its truth. How do we convince our children that believing in God is all that matters in their lives? So much to be on the lookout for, isn't there? No one's safe from the enemy. Pray together, read the Bible, and stay alert. Amen. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, a desire for the family closeness that was missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who are not their mother. And I wanted to make my own decisions on how to raise my children. 
On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers, and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of walking through the pasture lands, the mockingbird singing, rain falling softly, the glide of an alligator in the canal, the smell of freshly mown grass, a serious hug or lightning in the distance. If you pop by, I'll offer you sparkling water today and an apple. The Granny Smiths are delicious at the moment, but I'm not eating one. They're way too crunchy. I'm broadcasting live from Turkey Creek in Florida. And after the first break, I'll be talking to my blue-eyed cowboy. So you won't want to go far. I'm all set, so whatever it is, grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNendies, where I'm taking a look at college-bound children, preparing for another birthday next week, nursing a dog with an ear infection and hoping a boat has finally been sold. Are you ready? First things first, of course, there is another birthday coming up next Wednesday. That's two in July. My blue-eyed cowboy turns 40-something, and I'm taking the day off from writing to spend it with him doing whatever it is he wants. I've suggested going to the beach for the day, not to sit on it necessarily, but just to see the sea. We can't spend four months in Florida and not have dabbled our feet in the sea. I catch myself getting carried away with my suggestions, and then I stop. It's your day, not mine. So you decide. I still don't know what we're doing, but I am making a cake or a pie. Can't decide on that. And I think we'll have something a little more punch filled than sparkling water. (laughs) Last week, during my conversation with Dr. Jay Weil, I found myself talking about a priest of ours who had rather a downer on my Texans and my professions. When I mentioned that we were strongly cautioned against science as a college major, Dr. Weil was surprised. He said he believes that science takes us to God, and of course it does, if we're prepared to go where it leads, in truth. Plus, Dr. Weil himself was led to God through science, so he has good, a good cause and evidence to back this up. For some, though, it might be a dangerous major. After speaking to him, I want to take a college course or two or three in science so that I can get a bit of grip on what he's talking about. My faith is strong in that I don't understand the hows and wherefores of the world from a scientific point of view, but I do believe in God and that God is an almighty power created the world and that there is no other way that it could have happened by chance. How I'd love to be able to really study the proofs of order out of chaos as found in scientific rules and research. I think once I settle down again, I'll look into finding a college course taught by a scientist who's also a Christian or at least a believer in creation. I think that's important when you go to when you go to a secular college, perhaps, you know, sort of keep your eyes open for teachers that maybe are coming from your um, background. And back to my priest, not to give him a bad rap, but he was worried that young Christians would be turned away from their faith by evolutionary scientists. And this is understandable. But to be a scientist, as Dr. Weil pointed out, you need to be curious. And curiosity will lead you back to God if you're prepared to give up any preconceived ideas that you've hung on to for many years that you may not want to let go. I'm the first to admit that science was not my forte. 
What does a homeschooling mum do when her child wants to do advanced chemistry and physics? I enjoyed the biology parts, but somehow it was always the last on the list of school subjects and got short shrift. When my oldest proclaimed his desire to be an astronaut and chemistry and physics only showed up as spelling words, I sought experts to tutor my sons because they were older not because they were boys, and I found a co-op. And this co-op was made up of mothers who also taught their children at home, and it happened once a week. When the boys were in college, my daughters decided that a science co-op would work very well for them too, although by now I was quite a whiz at moles and kinetic energy. They wanted the company. They wanted to be around other people, being social bodies. So I dropped them off at the host church on the same road as our house every week, and I picked them up two hours later. And for the first time, they were surrounded by peers and were conscious about being called upon in class, especially if they were struck dumb by a question. Here was pressure they hadn't experienced at home. Who cares if you know the answer or not around a sibling? Accountability for this class meant that miraculously the assigned work was completed on time each week without a lot of prodding from me. Unless I wanted to go into the classroom to observe the numerous experiments conducted each semester, I was off the hook. I did poke my head around the door during the latter end of the course when dissections were being conducted. We all found these to be the most interesting lessons and Malia, my youngest, brought home an extra frog several times to work on in the comfort of her home laboratory, usually the kitchen counter. This homeschooling lark, I tell you, taught me a lot. Science was no longer a back burner subject. And as you heard, I'm beginning to think I may like to take some college courses in it. I was chatting to my friend, also known as the well-heeled stranger from my homeschooling book, who first introduced home education to me and mentioned to me how my children always, she, she said, your children seem to call you all the time with these questions. And I say, yes, they're on the phone to us all the time. I don't think they've heard of Google. And she said, that's funny. They're the Google generation. And I said, well, the young generation can't come up with the questions to Google because they're just not clever enough to take questioning to a deeper level. She's a high school teacher and she laughs. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, I wasn't necessarily talking about my children. They can come up with the questions just fine. They just like to let me be their Google.com. I made a radical suggestion to my friend that we are the Google generation, and she agreed. We both love being able to have all sorts of information at our fingertips. I use my computer all the time when I'm writing to look up words, synonyms, antonyms, usage. I also look up something that I've seen on my walks. In fact, I get my blue-eyed cowboy to do that. Yesterday evening, he looked up a tree that we have in the community. It wasn't in the flora and fauna book on our coffee table, so he Googled tree that looks like a mimosa, and up it came the Royal Poinciana. No going to the library and having to leaf through huge reference books, just a few strokes on the keyboard and hey, presto. And talking of going out on walks and seeing lovely, lovely trees and flora and fauna, the big dog started walking on his walks with his head tilted over to the left. And I pointed it out to my cowboy, and so we took him to the vet. When it's not your own dog, you begin to worry. And we had all kinds of fretting going on, including, well, I would say, because he's listening. 
We took him to the vet who took his temperature and pulse, listened to his heartbeat, swabbed his ears for analysis. Sure enough, he had an ear infection and we were given medicine to administer once a day. He gets his favorite treat afterwards, cheese. So does Sis for just being there and watching. I don't know if he's any better yet. I keep cleaning out his ears. My oldest son suggested that he may need, need tubes. He remembers having those and he said candling, which was a natural remedy that we also did, but nothing really worked. The dog's head is straighter now and hopefully he's feeling better, except he came home with a limp the next day. I don't know whether it's from where he chases to the balcony railing when he sees a pesky squirrel in the tree and can't get good purchase on the wood floors and has to scrabble around for a bit, maybe spraining his ankle or knee or shoulder. Or, as my gentleman suggests, he's just a hypochondriac. Dortz laughed at the idea of him faking an injury. And there's an old boat that dates back to 1939. I'm not exaggerating when I say it's old. Sitting at our dock while in boaties, it's actually moored on our dock. When we arrived, it had been sold to a guy named Larry, not my Texan. He has since turned around and eBayed it. And we think sold it to another couple who are coming in from New York to have a look and see see it and maybe make the final payment on it sometime either over the weekend or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, good range of ETAs. We told the other Larry that the downstairs facilities aren't available anymore due to septic tank problems, just to get that on the table and not all over the workshop floor. I hope they fall in love with the old girl and take her away. Then perhaps my blue-eyed cowboy fisherman will have better luck catching dinner. He did catch a decent-sized catfish last night and threw it back and... There is a lot of excitement at the dock right now with our alligators and our gars. And there's a lot of excitement here too. Got to go on my break. And when I, be, when I come back, I'll be talking to my blue-eyed cowboy. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. 
From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for B-Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be by Design, How I Be is Up to Me. Hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, my guest this week is my blue-eyed cowboy, and he's jumped in because my original guest, um, um, her plane, her was, plane delayed, was delayed, and, and um, she just couldn't make it to the phone. And so my blue-eyed cowboy, who shared the homeschooling years with me whenever he was out, not out on the road as a tour manager for any number of impressive bands, um, is going to be talking to us. Um, he managed, as the homeschooling dad, to get the children's interest a whole lot quicker than anything I was trying to do with them while he was around. His real name is Larry McNenny, and he toured the world with famous musicians, ensuring they were in the right place on stage at the right time. Not an easy task sometimes. Larry worked with Stigwood's a management company and toured with such greats as Eric Clapton, the Bee Gees, Three Dog Night, Firehouse, Marvin Hamlish, Linda Ronstadt, the Pittsburgh Symphony. He personally managed Andy Gibb and an artist and sculptor who he always refers to as quite famous. Today, we're going to be talking about homeschooling and how it impacted our lives and what we're doing as empty nesters. Good afternoon, Larry. Welcome to my show. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> we can hear you, and thank you for jumping in at the last minute. Well, I was fishing, but I can make this work. All right. Okay. Now, we're we're down here in Turkey Creek, and um, last night when I came in from my bike ride, I came down and joined you out on the dock, and um, you said how much you enjoy being able to do that. So tell us a little bit about how you're, how you're feeling about being way out in the boonies here. Well, it's, it's nice. It was, <clears throat> I guess it's really what I expected it to be. But the, one of the really things I've always liked to go fishing, I've never really been one to catch much. Uh, but I, I, I fish a lot here. I fish in the mornings and in the evenings if the weather's, if it's not raining. Uh, and, you know, my casting is getting really, really good. I don't catch a whole lot. You know, I've caught a couple of gar and a couple of, 
uh, brim and a couple of catfish, and I've caught four alligators. Oh wow! <laughs> I just find it I find it really peaceful just to go out there and sit by the water and you know pretend to outsmart the fish. Mm-hmm. I find that really peaceful, and I think I did that with. Well, I learned that from my grandparents, actually. They used to go fishing a lot and would take us with them. Mm-hmm. And they used to fish with cane poles, really long, like 10 or 12-foot pieces of of, uh, of bamboo. And they would tie a string to one end and a hook, and they would just drop it in the water and fish like that. I mean, there were no reels or anything like that. And then Simon and Ian and I, we used to... Our, our sons, you know, we, you know, we used to go fishing uh, quite often. Simon and I more than Ian uh, joined in, but and here again, we didn't always catch a lot, but we had we had fun going and doing it in the attempt of, you know, trying to outsmart fish. So, so it's it's like a gentle meditation. It is. It you know it you, you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot to it. I mean, I guess if you're on a uh, deep sea fishing, you know, there's a lot of work to it, you know, getting things ready, keeping an eye on things. But, you know, just throwing a line out into the water here, casting a lure across the, the canal, you know, there's not a lot to it. Either the fish bites the hook or not. You know? Well, and you have to be quiet. Well, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it's pretty noisy around here. There's there are all sorts of birds. There's a bird called a limkin <laughs> that... Uh, is the bird that they used in the Tarzan movies or jungle movies that makes those really loud screech noises. Mm. Um, and we have one that lives across from us, as you well know. Uh, and it's it makes some pretty loud noises. So I don't think the fish are bothered by any noises at all. No, you know, no, they're both no. starting up periodically and, and that. So. But you can't you can't actually wade in the canal. That's kind of like that would be my worry because of the alligators. You could wade in the canal, but I, you're not going to find me wading in the canal. <laughs> no, thank you. So it's in not fact, that deep? Uh, in fact, the owners of the house have two kayaks. <clears throat> and uh, he called and he asked, he said, well, have you used the kayaks yet? And I said, no, you're not going to get me in a kayak that's, you know, 12 inches off the water if uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, 8 and 10 foot alligators. No, thank you. Yeah. So, well, you know, our children always joke that you knew all the presidents. They had no idea how many years that span. This was when they were really, really little. So they ask you things about the old days and, and you know, what, what was it like when you were a child? And I jokingly say in my, my opening, you know, we can homeschool while we're traveling or you can just homeschool hanging in a tree, hanging out in a tree. So what was, what was your child like, childhood like? you know, here, growing up in, in America, growing up in Texas? Oh, I was pretty lucky. I had uh, good parents. I had an older brother and a younger brother. And we lived in a nice neighborhood. And uh, during the summer, we used to spend the summer outside all day long. You know, uh, we'd come in for a peanut butter sandwich and head back out. But during the school year and all, I, I went to public school. It was only a block and a half from my house. So I walked. Uh, a lot of the time, and but then I, uh, when I came home from school, I wasn't I wasn't a great student particularly. I was I would have rather been a hands-on student than listening, but to the teacher all the time. But I would come home and I would go hang out in my in a mimosa tree in the front of our house, and that's where I did my homework. Uh, uh-huh. 
sitting in between branches or hanging upside down or things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. I would have probably been a really good candidate for homeschooling if my mother had been so inclined. Or even if it was around then. Well, yeah, I guess it, I guess it, it probably was, though, but more isolated, more out on the, you know, in the isolated parts of, you know, Montana, Wyoming, and yeah, yeah, places, I guess, you know, but uh, we, we definitely never heard about it in the 50s or somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, how do you think um, some of your childhood has been able to be echoed through what we did with our children and the homeschooling that we did? I think we were able to, I think, you know, my family, we kept together. Uh, my dad had it, my brother and I in Cub Scouts and you know, my dad and mother and then in Boy Scouts. And he was involved. Uh, uh, my mother was involved in the Cub Scouts with us. And we did the same. We kept the family together by being involved in what they did, by uh, in theater and gymnastics um, you know, and staying together as a family, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's what we did that was important. That's why I stopped touring yeah. uh, when I did, I, because being on the road is not a way to raise a family. And I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be there for my children. And it was something, you know, that I consciously gave up and, um, you know, I didn't look back, uh, you know. So. so within within the homeschool as a as a as a dad, I always ask this question: How do you feel that you what what role did you play, and how do you feel that you you know supported your wife? Because a lot of times, most of the time, it is the mom that takes on the bulk of the homeschool. Because dad, traditionally, we've already lost one income, so dad really needs to keep working. Well, I was the one that uh, I was the troublemaker. I mean, they they knew they could always come to me and. You know, I would turn on the TV for a few minutes or I would let them snack or something while you weren't looking. And I was the one that would always pretend that uh, I would always try to get points while you were busy teaching. (laughs) (laughs) You never knew that. I never knew that. No, no. But you did. You you participated. You participated in the art and in the um, the writing. Remember when we had our essays that we used to write once a week? Yeah, well, I, I did that, and then we did pictures one time where we drew pictures every day for something and uh, for a couple of weeks and all that. But then, then I would get involved in the the crafts projects that they would do. You know, if they wanted to build something, or you you had them once make a gosh, I guess it was like a book a book out of things uh, that they had done and stuff. And, you know, and I would get involved in those things and. Um, you know, um, I, I was there and I was doing a job and working out of the house, making money. But but I was always there and I was able to most often drop what I was doing and, you know, come help you or come uh, help them if they needed help. And then we were really fortunate having me having been there, too, to be able to spend uh, to be able to have lunch together every day, which was yeah. a wonderful thing. I mean, even if we had. Dinner was kind of on the fly because of gymnastics or ballet or the theater. Uh, at least every day we had a nice lunch together. And um, I also have mentioned that we spent, you know, time in prayer. We would start with our Bible study in the morning and then we'd pray at lunchtime and then we'd pray again at bedtime. 
So we were always doing that, and you were able to participate in that too. Well, yeah, and then the, I mean, the kids definitely got a good foundation in their uh, faithful life, religious life, and, um, you know, I had a good example in you, and I hope vice versa that you know, a good example. Um, you know, I'm, uh, we grew up differently. I grew up Methodist, and you grew up Catholic, so yours was a little more intense than mine. <laughs> I learned a lot from you in, 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 in a good way, you know, and I'm glad yeah. I, you know, because uh, it's, yeah. it's the same story that I uh, have my spiritual life, you know. Well, uh, we have to go on a short break in just a moment. I'm talking to my husband, who I refer to as my blue-eyed cowboy, and um, he jumped in at the last minute to be my guest. Thank you so much. And um, we're going to be... We've been talking actually about um, homeschool and, and the role that he played. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about our empty nest and how homeschooling or having homeschooled affected us. Do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Welcome to Spark Your Soul Radio with Ann Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose, insights with heart. The Woohoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked and start tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world from your work to your relationships, lifestyle to legacy. Host Ann Phyllis is a spiritual analyst, fire starter, energy alchemist, and soul truth clairvoyant. Using the heart and purpose-based principles of her signature Soul Sense system, Anne offers weekly wisdom for tuning in, letting go, unlocking, and unblocking. If you've been walking through life with excess baggage, a heavy heart, a feeling of disconnection from your inner life, consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Every week on Spark Your Soul Radio, Anne takes you on a journey into the heart of your soul sense. There, she helps translate your energy, essence, and soul truth knowing into positive action and change. From this space of personal awakening and transformation, you're able to reignite your spirit, spark your soul, and live in alignment with your vision and values. Ready to spark your soul? Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player. Got a question for Anne? Want to be a guest on her show? Visit sparkyoursoul.me and listen to Anne every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome. 
Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper middle class stay at home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy happy family every week on the quip Miriam Nicole shares her love life legal and lifestyle success secrets whether it's wisdom you're seeking inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success or you want to know how to fully align your faith family and finances to create more freedom for yourself you're an Excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking to my blue-eyed cowboy, and I'm going to ask a question that has been going round and round, actually, in my, in my head since my I, my youngest son is very um he wants to be self sufficient and really he didn't immediately come from any um farming background or sustainability background it just seems to be in his genes this thing about being self sufficient and i was wondering have we changed are we different people to the people we were when we first got married, when we first started having children? You know, are our goals different? Are our priorities different, do you think? Oh, well, most definitely. Uh, first off, I keep telling Simon to change his genes, but, you know. He yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, I think we're quite a bit different. I think we've learned and a great amount together, uh, experienced a whole lot of things together, uh, and with, you know, well, the kids to grow up raising children, uh, moving around, the deaths, the births, the, the things that have gone on in our lives. And now we're going through the, you know, kind of the empty nest portion of our life where the kids are scattered and all doing things that sometimes we can smile broadly about and sometimes we have to cringe inside about, you know, wondering if they're going to survive or get by without asking for a handout. Yeah. Well, um, we're going through or just about finished with emptiness because all of our children are now living independently. But did that make you decide that, okay, I'm going to go back on the road. You know, I'm going to go do that and pursue, carry on with my career, pick up where I left off, or has all of that changed for you? 
Um, no, it, it hadn't. I think, well, what's changed for me regarding my career is the business itself has changed. <clears throat> I don't think that I could go back out on the road and do what I used to do for a living because I don't think I have the patience. Um, most of the guys I know that are still touring uh, and that I communicate with say that, you know, the money that they make performing is they look at is they pay me to stage and play my guitar for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling is so difficult nowadays, not only scary, uh, but it's, you know, difficult to go through airports, difficult to just, just to get around. Um, I, I wasn't looking to go back out on the road. I think that I'm happy in my married life and family life and, and all, um, I'm not through being creative. I enjoy still what I do daily. I, I create things, and as you do, and um, I enjoy that immensely. I would like to see a little more success from it sometimes, but uh, you know. But the act of being creative and the act of putting things down and all that, and I think with the kids not here, it's given us a lot of opportunity to do that. Although I, you know, there are times I miss them. I miss having them around and. You know, this is the fourth summer in a row that we've not been in Dallas or around our family mm-hmm. during the summer. Yeah. That's been quite a change for both of us. Yeah. Now, do you think priorities have changed? Do you think we're looking towards a simpler life, not running around making other people money, but maybe running around making what we want to do, doing what we want to do for ourselves? Yeah, I think we're we're looking. Yes, we're looking ahead to the next twenty years, and you know, make the most of it, and make the most enjoyment uh, for ourselves, and 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 at the same time, maybe uh, put into place some structures or some uh, foundations that might live on after we're gone. You know, with our kids and. Uh, whether it's whether it's property or housing or grandkids or you know we we're looking towards the future you know I don't think we're stuck in any kind of rut uh, obviously we're we're traveling around a bit um, and I think we'll probably find a, you know find a new place a new house and and settle uh, somewhat I don't think I don't think we'll settle completely. But uh, settle enough for where the kids will have a place to come visit us, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to not knowing where we are from time to time. Well, but they can always get in touch with us. That's something else that we've noticed, that we have a time difference. When we were in England, there was six hours. So that kind of gave us a little bit of um, um, peace for six hours when we first got up because we knew there's no way that they would be up. But now there's only, what is there, an hour? Yeah. There's... We have a few more hours between us and our oldest son. There's three hours. He's he's the last one to get up in the mornings <laughs> in California. Um, so they use that to advantage, don't they? Yeah, they, they contact us quite regularly, which I enjoy. Um, whether it's good or bad, mostly it's good stuff they call to talk about or exciting things or, you know, oh, I got a bigger paycheck than I anticipated. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, Ian going through his moving to Los Angeles and having everything stolen, I mean, that was quite quite traumatic. And, you know, we couldn't just pick up and fly out there and help him out. You know, we just had to offer some advice and support from here where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happened, well, I guess it's happened with three of the four of them for sure. I'm sure the other one 
you know, we're trying to help Simon and Lindsay, you know, out with advice as they build their company and all of that, you know, but all the others have gone through, you know, some some struggles and some moves and, and all of that, trying to get things together. And we've had to help them out long distance. Yeah. Uh, which has worked, thank goodness, for the, the electronic technology to communicate as we do. Mm-hmm. And um, for ourselves, too, I think it's helped us not you know, sort of, we, we know we can't be there. So we've had to be a little bit more creative as to, well, how can we help? How can we help them? And they want to be independent, but I don't think they really knew what that word meant when they first, when they first went out. Oh, no, they, they, they've definitely changed too in the last four years, uh, or since we've been, went to England the first time, uh, or, or, you know, when your mom died, uh, the, the kids have grown and become more independent, become more self-reliant and, and reliant on each other and friends and, and God and the things that they need to be reliant on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still here and we'll still always help them. So you were t- we were talking about um, simplifying and, and um, you know, sort of s- downsizing and our son, who's the married son who wants to have his own business, really 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 is very keen on this off grid i suppose is is this term that is used yeah well he he they've got this idea that they can live in one of these tiny houses that are you know like 200 square feet and um park it anywhere and, you know, not pay anything for electricity or water and all of that. And, and, you know, that all sounds good. I don't know how practical it is for somebody wanting to build a business. You know, I mean, if you had money or you had no ambition and just wanted to go live off the grid, but they, they do both have ambition. They both have goals they want to accomplish. They have things they want to do and they want to be, you know, independent, live off the grid and all of that. So yeah, I, I don't think you can do both. Uh, well, I, well, I, I don't know if, if, if it can be done, they'll do it. Yeah. You've just got to sacrifice along the way. Cause some of the people that I've spoken to who travel, they say, okay, when you say yes to this, you're saying no to several other things. You know, so one lady, she travels and but she never she doesn't have a washing machine. So she has to put all of her stuff, you know, load up the backpacks, walk for an hour or so somewhere. And then they wash in a river. But she loves the traveling, the freedom of being able to travel. So she wouldn't give that up. So she's given up her washing machine and convenience and electricity and, you know, soap powder the way she knew it and all of that. And for some people, it's worth it. I suppose yeah. you've just got to decide. You've got to decide. And, and our children have their own lives that we have nurtured from homeschooling them. So, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, it's like you have this ball of clay and you divide it into four parts and then it just has, a, has its own mind. And it's interesting to see where it goes and how it, how it pans out. Yeah. Well, if they didn't have if they didn't have the desire to start a business, have have a uh, a business uh, as they're building uh, Windows yeah. Wild, yeah. then it would be a lot easier because they could go off and do whatever they they needed to do and not worry about any kind of uh, communication with the outside public business world. You know, which yeah. they're going to need to do 
if they want a business. Uh, yeah. Well, um, we've we've actually I don't know how that happened, but we've come to the end of our time. So we have done a really great job. If you just come back just for a few minutes, so we can say a proper wrap up in the next segment. Okay. I'll be here. You'll be there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going on a short break. And after these um, a few messages, we'll be back and wrap up with Larry McNinney. Do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Welcome to Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Hey, kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking to my husband, Larry McNenny, and together we raised four children as homeschooling parents, and we were talking about our empty nest and really how how the homeschooling had affected us as well as our children. And um, I think uh, we talked about Simon and his wife because, I mean, they're a couple and they have a business going, but I think I think homeschooling has affected our other children too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ian... They, they all walked away from it with a good education because of you, but also with good values, uh, good a good sense of teamwork through the uh, extracurricular things we do. Not only learning together, but also the you know working together in the theater, uh, working together around the house uh, with you know uh, other families that were homeschooling. We would do projects with and things with. Um, it, it made a lot, it, it established a lot in their lives, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps as a couple, homeschooling helped us to um, parent together. And now we're having to not unlearn that, but we're having to deal with, well, we don't have four children, four other opinions. It's just you and me. So we're, we're, we're working on that at the moment. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and so it's easier now because instead of having four other people to worry about who's right, we just know that you're right, and that's that. <laughs> or the dog. The dog can be right, too. 
we have two dogs. Actually, the two dogs are, are the little, not the whipping boys, but oh, they're cute though. But uh, oh. I think I think we've decided that we may not get dogs. <laughs> we thought we might have a dog once once we'd settled oh. down again, but we're thinking maybe not. We can put the blame on them for anything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Larry, for talking to me. I've been chatting to my blue-eyed cowboy, Larry McNenny, tour manager extraordinaire, raconteur, captivating stories, homeschooling empty nester of four and victim of love at first sight. We talked about living here in Florida, how we've been affected by homeschooling and how he supported me as dad to our children. Larry's been on my show several times. You can just go onto Toginet or onto my website, Social Homeschooler, and do a keyword search, Larry McNenny, and he'll come up and visit him at www.roadcases.org to learn more about what he does. Larry, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me at such short notice. You have a wonderful weekend and a great birthday. You still haven't decided what we're going to do on Wednesday, but I'm there for you. Whatever we decide to do, I'll be there, okay? All right. Well, I'm going fishing now. See you later. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Well, when I first started homeschooling, I um, I had um, I looked at the possibility of sending my children to college first. Now I'm talking about I had the oldest was eight, and then I had a six, a four, and a two-year-old, so they were nowhere near. Um, college age, but I still wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to ruin their opportunity at going to college. So I think a lot of you probably can hear me out there and um, agree with me. I mean, it may seem a little bit premature, premature to be looking at college when you have a two-year-old, but I wanted to make sure that college was a possibility if I homeschooled and if my children wanted to go. And of course, I found out that it was, and my children came under mum's thumb rule of thumb before they knew what had happened. And um, I've had a few guests on who agree that college isn't for all our children. And I'm sure lots of you listening are looking at some of your children and thinking maybe vocational college or internships or straight into the workforce, perhaps. If academics aren't their forte, then there are alternatives. And it's not the end of the world. We haven't missed the mark as their mentor and guide and advisor and counselor and all things mum. How dull would the world be if we were all wired the same way? I had a few friends who thought all children should be encouraged along the university track, but I was really not that pushy. And it just so happened it was my girls who broke the mold, as it were. Both my boys were either at or close to going to a four-year college. They both went in as juniors, thanks to a fabulous community college nearby. But my girls were really looking along other pathways, at least in the older teenage stage of their homeschooling careers. Paris, my oldest daughter, and now known as Perry Poppins, because of her love for children, special needs children in particular, was an action person who volunteered at an achievement centre close to home from the age of 13 and immediately saw that she could be a blessing with or without a degree. As time allowed with her other volunteer work and the demands Latin Math and Science Co-op were making on her free time, she branched out to child advocacy centers and explored social work through conversations with a friend who was a teacher. Paris found that she was really happy, not so much analyzing the reasons behind why a child behaved or performed in a particular manner, but how much love that child really needed to feel safe 
in his or her world, even if it was only for a short time under her care. Quite honestly, in my eyes, algebra and chemistry had very little to do with this gift my daughter was willing to give to anyone, child or adult, who asked for it. So I didn't worry about her advanced math skills too much. And my youngest daughter wasn't thinking about college or her future at this time either. She was just happily ensconced in the present with everything she loved within her grasp. And the task of keeping the homeschool firmly under her control so that her evenings at the ballet studio weren't in jeopardy. Homeschool Wildflower Academy had always adhered to its godly roots, as we talked about earlier, and we interrupted our days with regular prayer whenever there was a child around. And as the children left us to our emptiness, my cowboy and I continue with these daily prayer sessions in the mornings and over lunch with lively discussions about what we'd read in our devotionals. Obedience isn't always easy, but its rewards are peaceful. And I have found once again that I have time for everything when I put God in his rightful place in my life. And while they were at home, the children accepted my example and we grew stronger in our desires to live the way we needed to live. With community college in the mix, we started earlier than ever in the morning, mainly because our scientist son's first college class was at 8 o'clock in the morning. So we had to leave by at least 7.15 and God and I were sticklers for family morning prayer. This we did together before he left. As I mentioned last week, I had the opportunity to cover a wonderful book called Reasonable Faith, The Scientific Case for Christianity by Dr. J. Weil, which I hoped would sow some very important seeds in my budding scientist's mind as he prepared to enter a field reputed to harbor professors who had long since lost their belief in creation and its creator. I was determined to prove science naysayers wrong and to provide my son with tools that would help him soar above the skeptics and the septic tank, (laughs) and hang on to his faith. I'm watching it out here as it's kind of, I can see it reaching the top of the hole. Not very nice. I was determined that I was going to prove anyone wrong who didn't like science. And as I said, my son's skills at college were a combination of innate common sense and his good looks and charm. The professors loved him, and he loved them, and he used this mutual admiration to full advantage. He never shied away from quoting scripture or Christian scientists like Dr. Weil in his essays and papers. We gave away many of the Weil books during his years at college when the professors, respectful of Simon's inquiring mind, asked for a copy of his resources for his reports. So the importance of family prayer once more brought home the truth to me that God created us to support one another and to pray and study the Bible together in order to shore up our spiritual scaffold and evangelize. Isn't that how we started the show today? Pray together, study the Bible, stay alert. The girls and I had fun during our last years of homeschooling. It was kind of rather nice. We got rid of the boys to college, and then I just had the girls left, and we were able to go on field trips. Not that we didn't go on field trips before, but we just seemed to go on more field trips when there were just the two of us, <clears throat> like the Dallas Morning News and the Mary Kay Factory. We went to morning plays at the theater. We saw Junie B. Jones and Secret Garden. We made lunch our main meal um, all day of the day, since our principal dad was at home all the time, and we 
decided that lunch was a better time to eat a large meal. Plus, in the evenings, everybody scattered. So it was the only time we felt we could all sit down as a family. And then after lunch, we would study history. One year, we took an in-depth look at World War II. And my youngest was so moved by what she learned that she made me promise to take her to a concentration camp, which I did a few years later. Classical poetry was recited, and she would dance to it while I said it. And it would be memorized. They wrote, which incorporated grammar, reading their own essays aloud, helped because they were able to hear how a sentence flowed and whether it sounded right. And we actually did touch on that a little bit, um, my husband and I, when we were talking earlier, that that was one of the things that he participated in. Once a week, we would write an, an essay and we would find a title. A title might be a headline that we'd seen in a newspaper or something that we'd seen online. And we would all write an essay based on this prompt and then on a Friday afternoon after lunch we would read our essays to each other and it was so funny to hear each one would be different there'd be different takes on 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 what we'd read and and on the prompt some of them would be you know research essays and just reading it out loud really helped and doing the theater really helped with that too my son who's the scientist herpetologist zookeeper son he used to give talks to um, people who came and visited the zoo or he'd go into schools with snakes and other wild animals and, and give talks about them. And he said that the theatre and reading, doing things at home and reciting poems and prayers and psalms really helped him able to stand up and and talk to an audience. So I'm really glad that he's, he was able to do that and that we were able to do that as a family. And um, happily... Um, all of these subjects that I was able to do with the girls, the poetry and the history and the writing and sometimes the art, um, were subjects that I enjoyed as well. And I stumbled across a piece of wisdom once, either in a book or overheard at a grocery store checkout, I don't remember which. And um, it says, don't ever do anything with your children that you don't enjoy doing yourself. And um, I've stuck to that. I've stuck to that. Maybe even I came up with that myself. And I'm trying to pass it off to somebody else. But maybe that was my little piece of wisdom. Oh, where did the time go? It's gone. Oh, and a storm's brewing outside, I can see. We're not off to the grocery store today. Last week, I got so much done in the afternoon that we've decided to keep my idea to go to the store when we're in town for mass tomorrow. There's a birthday coming up next week. Guess who's? Yes, my blue-eyed cowboy. He's going to be 40-something. Happy birthday. I'm going to be baking something yummy. We're planning on spending the day at the beach, maybe. But as I keep saying to my southern gentleman, we need to do what you want to do, not what I want to do. Happy birthday for Wednesday. Lots of kisses. Thanks for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight and was on my show. Our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, thank you. My guest this week, Larry McNenny, the blue-eyed cowboy, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, and everybody else who listens. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 to 26. Doop, 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 doop.
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney 